Thank you for downloading the One Church Gloucester podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And uh, it is a real privilege to get to speak to you. And for some of you, I know that I'm speaking to you and it's the first time that you've ever sat in church. Maybe the first time you've heard this for others of you. Maybe you've been hearing things here for decades, but I'm convinced that God today wants to do something powerful wherever you are today. God working in power wasn't just at youth camp last week. God wants to work in power today. And I, I, I really believe that there are some of us who are here today, and maybe we've been coming to church a while, hearing about, about God and how he sees us, but yet because of things we've done, because of things that have happened to us, we've found ourselves in this place where, where we feel like, actually, God could never really love me. Maybe, maybe he could love John, but he could never love me. And I want to say today that God wants to bring you freedom today and let you see and encounter for yourself the love that he has and the forgiveness. Or, or maybe you're here today and actually... You've been doing this so long that you've almost got complacent about God. Maybe you've got so used, used to him being there, his forgiveness for you, that you've got complacent, maybe even drifted away from him. I want to say today, God wants to connect with you today and revitalize you spiritually and remind you of who he is today. So today I want to talk about being changed by grace. That's my title. If you're making notes, I want to talk about being changed by grace. And we're going to read today from Luke chapter 5. Just a few verses from Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 27. The words will be on the screen or you can follow it along in your own Bible or app. And this is what it says. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything and followed him. And later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honour. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? They said. And Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those that know they are sinners and need to repent. So I, w- I want to talk about, as I said, being changed by grace. And what is grace? Well, the simple definition I'm going to use for grace today is this. That grace is something great that's given to someone that doesn't deserve it. Something great that's given to someone that doesn't deserve it. So what might a practical example be of that? So I'm sure this will never happen to you, Isaac and Ros, but a practical example might be your little daughter. One night, she's screaming, she's shouting at you, she's playing up, and she goes to bed screaming, I I hate you. And then the next day, it's her birthday. What do we do? Well, what does grace do? Grace says, I love you. Grace gives the present that you were going to give. Grace gives the great birthday that you were going to give. That's a really simple, practical example 
of grace. Grace has an almost identical twin called mercy as well. Mercy is similar but different. This is what mercy is. Mercy is not giving something to someone that does deserve it. So similar but different. So, so not giving someone a punishment that they deserve, for example. But today, I want to concentrate on grace, something great given to someone that doesn't deserve it. But before we do that, I, I, I just want to set a little bit of a foundation in, in case today's your first time. Often we, we talk here about, about God's love, and love is one of those words that can be quite cheap, can't it, in today's society. I love chocolate. My, my wife really loves chocolate. But still, that, that's different to the way God loves us. And even in our, even in our closest relationships, when we, when we talk about love, there's still a sense in which that's kind of tinged with a bit of selfishness. Like I say to my wife, I, I, I love you, but I still hope that she'll do the washing up instead of me. And it, it, it's true that the, the best that we've got to give is still somewhat flawed. But when God loves us, God loves us in a way that is pure and he's selfless. He's not dependent on how we behave and he pours his love out for us. And, and then because he loves us so much, he wants to make a way for us to be forgiven. Because we all know, don't we, that there are things that we do that are wrong. Sometimes it's things that we do wrong against other people. Maybe it's just attitudes that we have, getting, get, getting angry or resentful or judgmental. But we all know that there are things that we do that aren't right. And because God loves us, he makes a way for us to be forgiven that is simple and free and is literally as simple as saying, saying to God for the first time, I'm sorry that I do things wrong. I want to do things your way now and I want you to come into my life. It's that simple. And he makes a way for his love to lead to forgiveness. But the thing I want to talk about today, we could talk about love and forgiveness all morning, but the thing I want to talk about today is what is it about those things that shows God's grace? Grace, grace is like the glasses that we look through and it changes the way that we see that love and forgiveness. So I've got a question for us. If Jesus came to church today, who would he go for lunch with after the service? Would it be John and Louise, our pastors? Maybe that, that, that might seem like a natural thing for him to do. But we saw in this passage, didn't we? We saw in this passage how Jesus approached this guy called Levi, who was a tax collector. And for context, it's important to know that tax collectors then weren't like people who work for HMRC today. The tax collectors then were people who were renowned for being corrupt. And effectively, they were, they were taking taxes on behalf of the occupying forces of the time, the Romans, as well as taking their own share. Tax collectors were some of the most hated people in society. And Jesus turned up and he asked one of them to be his disciple. And then he went to Levi's house to eat. And those in the religious establishment at the time, they looked and they said, he's eating with scum 
And that, that's an awful thing to say, isn't it? He's eating with scum. And they said that out of this position of, I, I guess, moral superiority. But yet Jesus went to Levi's house. And maybe you're here today and things have happened to you or you've made mistakes. There are things you know that you've done wrong that leave you feeling that actually God could never forgive you. God could never love you. You can look around and see it could be other people, but you've struggled to accept because of things that you've done that God's forgiveness could extend to you, to you personally, that God could love you personally. In Luke 7, there's a beautiful phrase that I really want to land with you today if you're in that place. There's a similar story where Jesus went to to visit someone and the critic said of him, look at him, he's friends with sinners. He's friends with people who do all kinds of bad things. And they said it as a criticism. But the thing I want you to know today is it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't that Jesus didn't know the problems that people had in their lives. He knew that, but he chose them. And Jesus is the friend of sinners. And so if you're here today and the thing you're feeling is that God could never love me and God could never forgive me, I want to tell you, you're the one he chooses. You're the one he chooses because grace, remember grace is something great given to someone who doesn't deserve it. Of course you don't deserve it. None of us do. But God's grace is here for you today to give you love and forgiveness. Jesus, the friend of sinners, he chooses you. If Jesus walked into church today and was looking for someone to go home for lunch with, like John and Louise would be great company. But what I think this shows us is, who would he pick? He'd pick the person whose life is a mess, who's got so many problems, they can't even count them and find a way through them, but no no things need to change. If that's you, Jesus chooses you today. He chooses you, the friend of sinners chooses you, and he gives you his love. Forgiveness is not something that's given just to people who've, who've had a certain level of Badness in the life, for want of a better phrase. Like Jesus doesn't look like that. Those verses that, that, that we read before, 31 and 32, this is what it says healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. And his forgiveness is poured out on you today. Yeah. It may be that you've come to church thinking that people who walk with God have got it all sorted. But if you look in the Bible, Rahab, Rahab was a sex worker and she found God and turned her life round. And she is one of Jesus' great, 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 however many times, grandma. Whatever your past is, whatever your present is, there's a way to find a new life in God. King David, King David had an affair and then had the woman's husband killed. It's terrible, isn't it? But yet God 
friend of sinners, accepted David's repentance, and this is the man who wrote significant parts of the Old Testament. You don't need to be perfect. Why? Because grace is something great given to those that don't deserve it. So if this end of the spectrum is, is, is those of us that feel that we could never be forgiven or loved, what's at the other end of the spectrum? Well, the other end of the spectrum is where we get to a point where actually we start feeling like, actually, like, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm not surprised God loves me. I'm not surprised he wants to forgive me. And we can get ourselves, if we don't keep recentering ourselves, we can get, us to the, get ourselves in this position where actually we think we kind of deserve this thing that we've got. And then what comes with it? Well, what comes with that is what we saw with the Pharisees, this sense of uh, moral superiority, that we look at those people and, and we say, oh, thank you, thank you that I'm not like those. Uh, and we, we, we figure out who we would help and who we would be nice to based on where they are in the spectrum. And, and here's a really relevant scripture, if that's where you find yourself today. This is from Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. And this is what it says. It says, God saved you by his grace. Remember, grace is something great given to someone that doesn't deserve it. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And so suddenly, if we're over here, this reminds us, doesn't it? This helps us see afresh, actually... I'm not the one that's great. God is the one that's great. And it centers us here. What do we find in the middle? Whether we've come from there or there. Here, what we find is this. We understand that God is the one who is great. And it fills us with, 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 with a heart that overflows with thankfulness for him. And it reminds us that actually, I am broken. I have got problems. But guess what? I'm loved and I'm forgiven. And this is the place where we have to find ourselves. Because from here, this is where we can go out from a place of strength and impact others. So grace changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see God. But I want to say as well, grace changes the way that that we see others. Because suddenly what we realise is we've got something great. We've got his love. We've got his forgiveness. We didn't deserve it. And so we want to take this great thing when we understand it's great. And we want to take it to people who also don't deserve it. Because we understand that we're carrying grace now. And grace grows in us. The more we focus on grace, the more grace we have. The more it centers us and the more we want to give out of that grace. It's not about, it's not about reaching others out of, out of some kind of obligation or trying to earn our salvation. Because that's what Ephesians said. It's not a reward for the good things we've done. We don't earn this, but we have it by grace. So grace changes the way that we see other people. As much as I love people, I found there have been times where 
I've been driving down the road and I've looked at someone and straight away I've formed an opinion. Now, maybe I'm the only person here in, in the room that's experienced this. But I've, I've looked and I haven't even talked to this person. I literally know nothing about them apart from the clothes they wear and the way they walk. And I find myself forming an opinion of that person that is negative, that is judgmental, and elevates me and makes me feel better about me. And I want to say, when grace comes into us, when grace fills us, it changes that completely. It changes the way we see other people. And we stop putting others down and ourselves up. And we become people who are accepting and loving towards others. And suddenly, people's backgrounds, the things they've done, the way they look, the way they talk, whether they've got a Manchester accent or not, living in Gloucester, these things, show me some grace. Show me grace. Suddenly, these things stop mattering. And if grace really is about something great for people that don't deserve it, truth is it doesn't matter whether that person is even less deserving than I am or not who's the most least undeserving I can't even get my head around the logic there like it doesn't matter there is no sense in which grace has any kind of scale and so whatever we have is what we should be wanting to give to anyone and part of what I've loved over the, over the last few years here at church has been seeing baptism stories. Like baptisms for me are one of the highlights of the year. And every few months we have another baptism service. And some of you are here that have been baptised over the last few years. And we've heard stories of people who've overcome addictions. We've heard stories of people people who've been in prison because of things that they've done. We've heard stories of marriage problems and mental health issues, struggling with anxiety. We've heard all kinds of things. But when grace fills us, the response is not, blimey, I'm not sitting next to them next week. That's not the response. The response is what we've seen here, which I love to see again and again of someone sharing a story, sharing their background, and a cheer goes up. Come on, we've got this. We're for you. That's a grace-filled church in action. And I want to say as well, grace gives us a heart for the most vulnerable. This is one of the places that grace takes us when suddenly the mess that someone is in or the things that people have done to them Suddenly, those things stop being something that holds fear or holds us back. Grace takes us to the most vulnerable, takes us to those on the fringes of society, to those who've been rejected by society. And if any of that applies to you today, I don't want you to sit there feeling like we're talking about you as if you're not here. Actually, I want you to hear this, that God has you. He has you here. He has you here to find home in him and with us. And we are for you. We love you. Because we want to be a church that overflows with grace 
and we want to stand with you. And we see it, don't we, in Jesus. We see it with Jesus and who Jesus reaches. Um, I, I've not got time to show you all the Bible verses, but we see Jesus, and like we saw before, hanging out with tax collectors, people that were called scum. And we could find verses that show him hanging, with, hanging out with people who were sex workers, people who've, who've been living an immoral life. We see him with lepers who have this contagious disease. We see Jesus at the fringe of society, and grace is what carries him there to give something great to those that don't deserve it, to those that are on the fringe. And we overflow with grace for people. So what can you do? How, how can you put this grace into action? So there are things that we do at church, aren't there? We do things like uh, supporting the winter shelter um, each year. We, we run a house that's housing vulnerable women. Um, Many of our teams are working with families and young people and children who are in a really difficult place. And what a great thing for you to do to, to outwork the grace that you're finding in one of those places. If you've not joined a team, I really encourage you, head to the back afterwards and find out more about how you can join a team, how you can show that grace. There are many other things going on in, in, in the city as well. There's Gloucester City Mission, um, that's, that's working with the homeless, their organisations supporting sex workers, people, people who, who are in addiction. There's opportunities for grace to be shown. Maybe for you, grace looks like the next time you're walking through town and, so, and someone asks you for money, maybe your outworking of grace is to give something great to someone that may or may not deserve it. When grace isn't there, what do we do? We look forward and we pretend that someone's not there. But, but when grace rises in us, we can't just walk past. E even if we can't stop and help, what do we do? We, we, we smile. We smile, we say, oh, I'm sorry I can't help, rather than ignoring. Grace has an effect. Maybe grace takes you to buying a, buying a meal for them and sitting down for a few minutes and chatting. Grace takes us to these kind of places. Or, or maybe, maybe this might be a big step for one or two of you. Maybe grace takes you into, into fostering or adoption. Here's an interesting start. If in every church in the UK, one family opened their home to foster or adopt, one young person or child, there would be no kids. There would be no kids stuck in children's home waiting for a family to love them. One family in every church. And I, I, I know there are some of us in church who do foster or adopt. I, Andrea and I do. Grace takes us to places where we want to do something that that seems hard, that seems difficult, but it's an overflow of us understanding what God has done in us. And so just as Jesus is friend of sinners, he calls us to be that too. Wherever you are this week, wherever you are, carry that, that heart of grace. Be a friend of sinners, making friends with people regardless of their background regardless of the things that they've done and we carry grace.
we carry grace as we go. So we're going to pray now. I want to encourage you just to, just to close your eyes for a couple of minutes. And maybe, maybe you're here today and you, you're part of that first group I talked about. Pe- people who are feeling that actually God could never love me. God could never forgive me. Or maybe you came in and there was a sense of complacency in your life and you don't want that anymore. Or maybe you feel that God's God's spoken to you about spoken to you about some kind of way that He wants you to outwork your grace. Or maybe you're here and you've never, never invited God into your life before. Well, the prayer for all of us is the same. And I'm going to pray this, and I want to encourage you just in your heart. We can all say these same, same words to God if any of those things apply to us. Father God, thank you that you are here. And thank you that you love us. Thank you that you love us despite the fact that I don't deserve it. God, I know there are things that I've done wrong in my life. I know there are, and I'm sorry. God, will you send to me in your love and forgiveness and grace. And God, from that place, will you take me out? Take me out, Father, to reach those that need to hear that message of grace. Take, take me out to those that you would go to if you were here for lunch, Father. God, thank you. Thank you that you're here and working. Amen. And now, now we, we're just going to sing, sing one of the songs that we sang before, As You Find Me. You love me as you find me, it says. Not you love me because of what I've done. You love me as you find me. And let, let this song be our response to the grace of God.